So yesterday was the anniversary of the Battle of Gay Par, and some gathered around town and some gathered in this site to recall the events and horrors of Te Pakanga o Pukihinina, or the Battle of Gay Par, one of the last battles of the New Zealand Wars. And we also remembered how it cost the people of this land, Naiwi o Toronga Moana, how it cost them so dearly. Last Tuesday, some of us gathered at one of the services held around Tauranga on a day to remember all who had fought overseas from these shores, initially for the British Empire and then for Aotearoa New Zealand. Over these last few years, we have particularly recalled the events and horrors of a hundred years ago, World War I, the terrible war and how it cost the people of this land so dearly. Six and a half, nearly seven percent of our population was either killed or wounded in that war of our entire population. I could speak at length about both these events, and I have in the past. Not always welcomed. Today I want to offer a chance for you to tell your stories. So if you're from New Zealand at that time, from World War I, or even from the Battle of Gate Par, but definitely from World War I, I cannot imagine that your family does not have stories from that time. I think it affected every single family in this country. It certainly affected my family on both sides. But you may, may have stories from other wars as well. So I invite you, over the next 10 minutes or so, to talk to your neighbours about your family's stories of war, what it was like for them, and the repercussions of that for your family since then. And then in about 10 minutes' time, we'll regather. So, where you go. These are stories that we need to keep telling, really, keep remembering. This morning our Gospel reading is the well-known story of two disciples crushed by watching all their longings for peace and all their hopes of an end to the violence of occupation being brutally nailed to a cross. Two disciples bewildered by the loss and the strange account from some of the women in their group that an angel had told them Jesus was no longer dead, and confused by Peter's finding an empty tomb and the clothes Jesus had been wrapped in folded to one side. They were returning home to resume life in grave hopelessness. But on the way, a stranger butts in and joins the conversation, asking what made them so sad, getting them to tell their story of their loss in the same way that we have just told our stories. And then placing that story within the much larger story of God and creation and humanity, the story of the Bible. They had no idea who that stranger was. But his words offered hope and some consolation in the midst of their despair and confusion. 
Once they arrived home, they insisted the stranger stay, partly because of the social custom and requirements to offer hospitality, and partly because they wanted to be with this man, to listen to him for longer. They felt better when they were with him, listening to him. It was better that he was there. It distracted them from their grief. At the meal, the stranger leant over and took some bread, just as Jesus had done just a few nights earlier. And he gave thanks for it, just as Jesus had done just a few nights earlier. And he broke it and gave them each a piece, just as Jesus had done at the supper a few nights earlier. And their eyes were opened. They saw who the stranger is, the risen Jesus, there in the midst of their grief and bewilderment. While Jesus disappears, they rush to rejoin the disciples in Jerusalem and add their bit to the growing story there. Brian McLaren describes what happens like this. It's dark when we reach Jerusalem. Between this day's sunrise and today's sunset, our world has been changed for everything, forever. Everything is new. From now on, whenever we break the bread and drink the wine, we will know that we are not alone. The risen Christ is with us, among us, and within us, just as he was today, even though we didn't recognise him. Resurrection has begun. We are part of something rare, something precious, something utterly revolutionary. It feels like an uprising, an uprising of hope, not hate, an uprising armed with love, not weapons, an uprising that shouts a joyful promise of life and peace, not angry threats of hostility and death. It's an uprising of outstretched hands, not clenched fists. It's the one day we have always dreamed of, emerging in the present, rising up among us and within us. It is so much it is so different from what we expected, so much better. This is what it means to be alive, truly alive. This is what it means to be en route, walking the road to a new and better day. So let's tell the others, the Lord is risen, he is risen indeed. The Lord is risen, he is risen indeed. The Lord is risen, he is risen indeed. So today we have been like those disciples, telling our stories of loss, our stories of war and conflict and how they affected our families. The task for us is to know Jesus in the presence, the risen Jesus in the presence of those stories, just as those two disciples on the road to Emmaus did. So as we tell our stories, what does resurrection mean for us? As we tell our stories, how does that fit with the overall story of God and creation and humanity? As we tell our stories, what does it mean for us to say, the risen Christ is with us, among us and within us, just as he was today, even though we didn't recognise him. Resurrection has begun. We are part of something rare, something precious, 
something utterly revolutionary. What does it mean for us to be a people of an uprising? An uprising that began on Easter Day. So let's spend a moment or two in silence as we think about that.